welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. We have allowed ourselves to become so disconnected and ignorant about something that is as intimate as the food that we eat. Be prepared to grow your own for victory. John said I need somebody strong enough to clear trees and heave bales, yet gentle enough to yean lambs and wean pigs and tend the pink foamed pullets who will stop his mower for an hour to splint the broken leg of a meadowlark. So God made a farmer. Well, hello there, and welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. I'm your host, Harold Thornbro, and this is episode 106. It is September 30th, 2018, and today we're going to talk about how to grow and have fresh lettuce all year long. Um, you know, it's great to grow your own food, harvest that food, and then in some form or another, preserve that food, make it available year-round. What is even better, though, is having something fresh from the garden that you can eat year-round. On this podcast episode, I'm going to answer a listener question about how I grow lettuce for fresh salads uh, year-round in a four-season climate. I guess it's something that uh, I've neglected. To, I've mentioned a few times, but I've neglected to actually explain how I do it. So we're going to talk about that today. First, a few homestead updates. This is the time of the year when I start winding down the gardening a bit. Uh, some things are getting cut down and not replaced. Uh, some and some on some things we're we're replanting and you know having the fall garden going and, and got a few things going. But in other places we're just getting the soil prep for next year instead. So there's a lot of that going on. Uh, I've actually made a decision that we're actually downsizing the garden a little bit this year. I'm actually as I'm uh, pulling stuff, I'm going to be removing two raised beds to make room for a swing set for the grandkids. And you know what? I'm okay with, I'm okay with that. You know, uh, every year I've been trying to expand my garden, expand my garden, you know, and, and take every little space and just grow food in it. And that has been great, but you know, priorities change a little bit, you know, and I got a couple young grandkids that are here a lot and they need a place to play, you know, and, uh, and I have a really nice area right off my back deck where I have a couple raised beds right there. I'm just going to, you know, cut down that gardening area and about half right there. And uh, there's plenty of other places in this yard we're growing food, and I'm okay with doing away with a couple raised beds for the for the grandkids. But uh, that's sometimes you just have to do that and kind of reevaluate your priorities. And um, we'll, we'll we will definitely grow a little less food next year, but uh, you know what? That's it, okay. We're going to have a place for the for the grandkids to play. So that's something that's been a big decision for me. You know, and and when you're limited on space, so those are the kind of decisions you have to make. And, um, you know, we're, we'll try to utilize the space around that and in that as much as we can for growing food. But in the end, you know, the kids got to have a place to play. So, uh, also I just had a really bad experience with one of my rabbits and it's an experience I've had before in the past, not with this particular doe, but, um, I had a doe who was going into labor and I, I noticed that she hadn't made a nest yet. And I thought, well, you know, Maybe she will just wait till the last minute. So I kind of kept a close eye on her and she didn't never make a nest. She started dropping kits on the cage floor and I had a nest box in there, you know, and she just would not, would not make a nest. So I pulled some fur. I made a nest for her. I put the babies in the nest and in about a day and a half, they were all dead because she wasn't feeding them. She just wouldn't take care of them. And, you know, she's a rabbit that's had a couple litters before. She knows what to do. She, it didn't catch her by surprise. I don't know what's going on with her. But she wouldn't take care of them. And uh, so, you know, I, I guess I mentioned that because it's a sad event. I hated it. It just it upset me, you know, and and, and all. But I, I mentioned that because I, I don't want people to think that 
things like that don't happen here. You know, I mean, I deal with the same thing that other homesteaders deal with and, and not everything is perfect and rosy and not everything works out great. Like you plan it. And sometimes things like that happen and you just, you want to yell, you know, you don't, you just, you want to stop doing it sometimes because of stuff like that. It just, it, it makes you upset. And, but the reality is that's just the way things go sometimes, you know, and, and that was several rabbits that we won't have now and it's starting over and, and, and breeding her again. And when you don't keep a lot of breeding stock, you know, that's another 30 days, you know, of, of, before she has another litter of kits and at least and I won't, I haven't even bred her yet. I, you know, I'm, I'm actually debating on whether to or not. I don't know. Um, but those are the kind of things you have to deal with sometimes. And it's not all, you know, sunshine and rainbows. Sometimes there's bad stuff that happens and you have to deal with it. So I just wanted to throw that out there and it's something we're dealing with. You know, I had to deal with here in the last week. Also been wishing for some cooler temps because I'm dying to go squirrel hunting. <laughs> I'm wanting to get out there, but I don't want to go when it's, you know, even 80, 75, 80 degrees because the mosquitoes are bad and, and it's just not pleasant, you know, as the leaves really start turning and, and start falling off the trees, they get a little easier to hunt. And, um, you know, and you don't have to worry about mosquitoes and things like that as the temperatures turn cooler. And as, as much as I'm not ready for winter to hurry up and get here, I'm ready for some cooler temperatures because uh, I'm dying to hit the woods and do a little squirrel hunting and put a little meat in the freezer and just have a little fun. So those just some things that are going on here, my homestead updates. And I'm sure that uh, you got plenty going on this time of the year for you. I mean, we're still doing the preserving some stuff and I'm about sick of doing anything with tomatoes, even though I'm still getting a lot of them. Uh, we did finally get our last batch of cucumbers and I say last batch, there might've been more come on, but I went ahead and yanked the plants cause I was just, I've had too many of them. <laughs> I tell you, I'm just tired of cucumbers too. And, um, and we're still getting lots of tomatoes and I've actually been giving us uh, quite a few tomatoes away just because I'm kind of sick of doing things with those, even though, you know, I, I, you know, in late winter, early spring, I'll be wishing that we had some probably because we'll probably run out of products uh, here and there of different kinds of things we've been making. But at the end, I'm still like, you know, I'm just I'm tired of it. But we're still getting some. So we're still doing a little bit of canning and and things like that. So um, that's what's going on around our homestead. And I'm sure it's a busy time of the year for you as well. Now, let's just get on with our main topic today, which is how to have fresh lettuce all year uh, while it's possible to grow most things indoors and have it fresh all year, you know, the cost of doing so can be pretty high. Uh, setting up an indoor growing rooms and with climate control and grow lights can be expensive. So I found for me that most things are best to grow seasonally and then preserve the harvest. But, you know, there's that one thing that I like to have available year round, and that's to eat fresh uh, lettuce from my garden. It's something that's it's easy to grow. It doesn't have as many needs as, as most plants do, especially for indoor growing or greenhouse growing. And there's just really something special about making a salad from fresh lettuce in January in Indiana, where I live. It, it's something that's great about that, you know, being able to make that. So I've mentioned a few times on the podcast that I do this, but I guess I've never went into much detail about how I do it. And it sparked a question in our Homestead Front Porch Facebook group. And that I said I would answer on the podcast. Now, this was a few weeks ago, and I've been kind of slow putting out podcasts lately, so you you probably noticed that. But I, I did promise that I would answer this in a podcast, so I wanted to. Uh, Ronnie asked, uh, you mentioned in a podcast that you grow salad year-round. Would you care to go in depth on your process? Or maybe if you were going to start from scratch, I'd love more details. I have a sunroom that I could set up three or four tables in and keep it semi-climate controlled. Um, now, I'll answer his question, and I do this different now than I did in the beginning. So I want to talk about a few ways to do this. 
And uh, I think most people think growing lettuce in the wintertime is the biggest challenge. But for me, it's been growing in the heat of the summer that's the bigger challenge. So I want to talk about that first. And I know that's not really what you were wanting to know about, Ronnie, is growing in the summer. But I'm going to talk about growing it year-round uh, just to talk about a little bit more stuff here. Because I find that, like I said, summer is the bigger challenge. Unless you're growing indoors and you have climate-controlled area, which it sounds like you're trying to set up, if you're growing lettuce outside, summertime is definitely going to be your bigger challenge bigger challenge i think uh i do this mostly by using microclimates uh, the fact is lettuce does not like hot weather and and there are more heat tolerant varieties than others but lettuce still still needs the coolest climate you can provide for it in the heat of summer for it to thrive many gardeners have experienced planting lettuce getting us excited as it quickly sprouts because in the heat of summer it'll pop up really fast it begins to form those uh, delicious little leaves only to see it bolt and turn bitter as it goes to seed before you can even harvest anything. I mean, it'll just shoot out a, a bolt uh, uh, right away, and it'll start going to seed. And then it turns bitter, and you can't eat it. So, I mean, that's just the, that's the reality of trying to grow uh, lettuce in the summertime. But in my yard, I, uh, I live in Indiana. I have a four-season climate, but it still gets really hot here in the summer. And we're talking like 90s, you know, even reached 100 at times. In my yard, I created this perfect spot over in the corner, and, and it's just for growing lettuce in the heat of summer. Um, this le- this this location only gets about three hours of direct full sun in the late morning, and it gets about three hours of dappled sunlight afterwards in midsummer because of some trees and stuff that are like there. Uh, it keeps the area several degrees cooler than other parts of my yard. It's just a fact. And uh, it provides the minimum amount of sunlight lettuce needs to thrive. And it completely blocks the hot late afternoon sun. Uh, that way, I'm able to have lettuce in, in the summertime in this in this spot. It provides for me a reasonable amount of time before it bolts. It still bolts quicker than it would in the spring and the fall, but I get to enjoy a lot of the leaves from it before it does that. So it does pretty well there. Um, so what do I do there? I just keep a constant rotation because it bolts, you know, a couple weeks quicker than it would in the, in the spring and the fall. I rotate it. I start a couple rows and then I wait a couple weeks and then I start a couple more rows about every two to three weeks. I start a couple more rows and it's not, they're not long rows they are like, you know, five foot, this bed's about five foot long. Um, so I have about 10 foot of, of lettuce that I start every, usually about every three weeks in the summer. I start another, uh, a row or two and i keep five it holds about five rows at a time so as one row starts to bolt another is just reaching its peak of goodness you know so i kind of have this constant rotation in that spot uh, of lettuce throughout the summer and it works really really well i've also planted a variety of lettuces there like the, i break those rows up into you know like three different kinds of lettuces um and these are more heat tolerant varieties that i that i found uh, my favorite lettuce my absolute favorite lettuce is romaine and the variety I found of the romaine lettuce that does best in the heat is called Paris Island. Actually, this lettuce can handle quite a bit of sunlight and heat. And it it actually grows a little slow in my microclimate area. So I actually have it out in full sun. It actually, I actually have it out here in a full sun area right beside my sidewalk. And it does pretty well. I'm able to, to harvest from it for you know a few weeks before it bolts. So I, I, it does pretty well. Another variety I enjoy is, and it's a bib variety, uh, called butter crunch and most gardeners know about butter crunch it's a, it's kind of a gardener's favorite um, and it, it's a really good year-round variety that you can grow it does really well back in my microclimate area uh, it there's only one other that does better than that and that's a leaf variety that is and it's actually my least favorite lettuce 
and it's called Black Seated Simpson. And the question surely will arise, well, then, well, if it's your least favorite of the three, why do I grow it mostly? Because it's mostly what I grow. Um, and that's because it's the easiest, quickest, and most climate tolerant of the three. And it's when I say it's my least favorite, I like it. I don't like it as well as the other two, um, but I like it. And because it's you know so easy to grow and because it grows so fast and because it's so climate tolerant, it's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. So it's, it's okay. You know, it's, it's, it's decent. It's a good, it's a good lettuce. And I find that, you know, I, I, I want to mention this too. If you harvest your lettuce in the morning, in the late summer, uh, it, it provides the best taste. If you wait till the afternoon, it gets, it, you know, the texture isn't as good. It doesn't preserve as well. It gets a, it gets a sappy, um, stuff in the, in the stems, up into the, even up into the leaf. And it just isn't as good. So if you'll pick your lettuce early, like I'm talking like crack of daylight early, that's when it's going to be the most crisp, cool, and bursting with moisture. And it's going to preserve better. It's going to stay better longer in your kitchen. And it's going to taste the best. So I pick my lettuce early, early in the morning. Really, it's usually still dark in the summertime when I'm picking the lettuce. I usually go out and feed the animals, and I'll grab um, a, a big old bowl of lettuce and bring it in the house before I leave for work in the mornings. Uh, that's what I do. And, and it's when it's going to taste best. If I wait till after I got home from work in the late evening and it's hot outside and it's just that, that lettuce is not going to be very good and it's not going to hold up very well. Yeah. You can throw in the fridge and it'll kind of, the texture will kind of come back a little bit, but it, it just won't be the same. So I pick it early, early in the morning. Uh, so that's how I grow it in the summertime. I have a microclimate area that I have set up especially for growing lettuce. Um, I pick specific varieties and i'm pretty strategic about the rotation of it and what i'm growing so if you're going to grow lettuce in the summertime that's what you're going to have to do probably let's talk about growing lettuce in the winter because well that's what that's what ronnie wants to know about i I, i've actually changed the way i do this uh this is where my methods have changed i used to grow my lettuce in the house under grow lights i had a setup in my basement actually and now i grow my lettuce in my greenhouse both methods have their struggles both work so i'll go over both of these methods and let you decide which one will work best for you. Let's talk first about setting up an indoor grow bed with grow lights. Now I covered this a little bit, oh gosh, a long time ago. I think it was, man, I don't even know. It was early, like back in the first, like maybe the teens episodes, like way, way back. Um, and, and I actually put a link in the show notes for that episode. It was called what lights should I use for my indoor garden? I don't even have an, uh, an episode number for you because I didn't even number my episodes back then. So I, I'm not even sure what episode number it would be, but it's the title is what lights should I use for my indoor garden? And I talk about setting up lights, but I actually talked about a little bit of my, about my setup. I, I kind of hardly don't even remember the entire setup. I'd have to almost go back and listen to the podcast to get the full layout on that, how I had it set up, because I haven't done that for uh, three years now. So first, you want to build your beds. Lettuce don't require deep soil for the roots. So I use two by four beds in the house. I had these two by fours that I just, you know, I had a, a plastic bottom or a, a liner bottom. It was actually like pond liner bottom with drainage. And I used two by fours around the base and I just kind of set it right on, uh, on these racks. So the bottom of it was on the rack and it had that set up there and it had some drain holes and I had them over the top of each other. So it worked pretty well. Um, but two by fours were my side. So the soil was not quite four inches uh, deep, almost four inches deep um, for the soil. And then I, you have to choose the right soil. Now you might think, well, you just drag some soil in from your garden beds, right? And putting these, you don't want to do that. <laughs> I, I made this mistake with some potted plants before. You don't want to do this. You will invite a serious aphid problem into your indoor grow beds. 
you're providing a perfect climate uh, and protection for aphids. In other words, there's no predators to get rid of them, and the temperatures are prime, and you will have a serious aphid problem if you bring soil in from your outside grow beds more than likely, almost guaranteed. Uh, you'll want to use a decent quality potting soil. This is going to provide your lettuce with the nutrients it needs, and you won't have the issues with the pests, like I mentioned, like with aphids. Um, temperature control. Uh, lettuce will grow okay in temperatures between 60 and 80 degrees, but I find it does better on the lower end of that spectrum. Uh, 65 to 70 does really, really well. Keeping your soil temps around that temperature will give you the best, fastest growing, uh, best tasting lettuce for an indoor uh, lettuce growing bed. Lighting options. If you want to use fluorescent bulbs for your indoor grow beds, listen to that episode I mentioned. What lights should I use for my indoor uh, garden? However, when I did that podcast episode about three years ago, LED grow lights were still really expensive. And I didn't think at the time that they were the best option because of their price. Since then, these lights have become much more affordable and they're extremely efficient and really they're better in, ne- in nearly every way. You can still set up an indoor uh, garden bed with fluorescent lights. It will work just fine. Um, but I would probably go with the LED uh, way now. And uh, I'll in, in the recommendations here in a few minutes, I'll mention the uh, the ones I, I will recommend, not because I own them, though. I want to make that clear. But it's somebody I know that owns them, and they, they highly recommend them. So I will I will recommend those grow lights. But I'll do that in the resources here in a, in a few minutes. Um, but that's what you need to do. You're going to have to have grow lights. You're going to have to have uh, temperature control, and you're going to have the right soil. You're going to have to have decent size beds for, for what you need. Uh, that's what you got to do. That's all it takes. I mean, it's really simple. Uh, as far as setting up the lights and all that stuff, go back and listen to that episode on indoor growing, uh, uh, using lights in your indoor garden. I talk about the distance of the lights. I talk about all that kind of stuff. Um, but it's really not, it's, it's not rock and science. I mean, it's really pretty easy. You can grow lettuce. Now, if you don't have enough light or if you don't, uh, or if you keep the lights too far away, uh, your your lettuce will get leggy and it will not produce right. It will it will have a lot of stem and very small leaves and it won't do well. Um, so you you want to follow the recommendations on LED grow lights and fluorescent lights as far as where to keep them off the plant and how clo- you know how close to the plant and all that kind of stuff and and to have your best success for growing lettuce. But lettuce requires less than most plants. Um, I find it grows really easy under a grow light um, back when I used to do it. Um, but now what I do is I grow in a greenhouse, which I think might be a little more applicable to what you're wanting to do because you say you have a sunroom. Now, when you say you have a sunroom, uh, if you're just talking about a room with a bunch of windows, if they're south-facing, if the plants are getting at least three hours of direct sunlight, which I mean it has direct access to the sun. The sun is shining directly. I don't mean the room is just well lit. I mean the sun has to be shining directly on those plants for at least three hours. I mean, that's my experience. That's what I find. And and then there has to be a lot of light in the room, even for several more hours, um, for them plants to do well enough. If you're just sticking them in a South facing windowsill, they're probably not going to get enough sunlight to do well. I mean, you might get some edible plants, but they're going to probably be a little leggy, but they'll be edible and, 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 and whatnot. But you know, you got to have a, a good direct sunlight on those plants for a few hours. Full sun. They're, my my greenhouse is set up in the full sun. In the winter, the days are obviously much shorter, so you have to provide your plants with a maximum amount of direct sunlight so they can grow well. 
Um, again, this is where I think they, most people fail. They think they have enough light in a room and they just don't. Uh, the same soil ap- uh, applies. You don't want to use um, soil from the garden in a greenhouse. You want to use potting soil. Uh, same as the indoor growing. Uh, a good potting soil mix. It's going to minimize pests, especially the, the aphids and, uh, and whatnot. Uh, temperature control. Again, this is the same as growing in your house. Only this is where the challenge is more so. You, greenhouse provides you with the more light, so you don't have the light issues, but now you're going to have the heat issues depending on where you live. For me, that's the big issue. Um, you're going to have a lot higher fluctuation in temperatures and going to be able to take a lot more of a, of a heat source to, to keep it heated and regulated. Uh, to keep your soil around the ideal growing temps, you're going to have to heat the greenhouse and or the soil. My greenhouse isn't very large. It's a six by eight. So I'm able to heat it with a temperature controlled electric heater, but I also put electric seeding, uh, seedling heat mats under the beds. Uh, I just, I have some trays that I've built on the, on the beds there and I lay them right over on my shelves and I put heat mats under those and it keeps the soil temperature up, which helps the, uh, of course the, the seeds germinate and gets those things growing. It does add an electric bill. This was, this was the dilemma I faced last year. I have grown lettuce every year. Uh, for the last five years, except for this last winter, this last winter, I did not because I was, I was debating in my mind, should I grow it? Should I, should I have that extra electric bill? And I'd already tore down my indoor growing system. So I I wasn't looking at that. It was in the greenhouse. And the year before that, I had the greenhouse and, and there was a little bit of electric bill, you know, I mean, I had to heat that greenhouse year round. Um, and, and then I had to debate, is it, is it going to be worth it just to have a lettuce? Well, I really missed having lettuce last year, really missed it this year. I will grow it all year round and, and I'll pay the heat. I'll pay the electric uh, bill, uh, the extra electric bill to have my lettuce year round. And it's like, well, is it cheaper than going to the store and buying it? Probably not, but it's fresh uh, garden lettuce from, from my, my garden, you know, that I've grown myself. And you know what? I get to go out and hang out in a nice warm greenhouse and enjoy the sun and pick some plants and do some gardening and, you can't put a price tag on that, in my opinion. So, I, yeah, I will pay. I will pay the electric bill to have that heated greenhouse and uh, and those seed mats and have some lettuce and be able to do a little bit of gardening in the winter time. Absolutely, I will. So, yeah, and I think for your sunroom, that's what you're going to be looking at. You're, you're obviously a sunroom. Might, if you're getting enough sunlight in there, setting up the beds, and 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 you're already heating your house, so it may not be something that's going to be a problem for you. Um, if you have an ideal sunroom, that's getting plenty of sunlight on a South facing side. It's getting at least three hours of direct and several hours more of indirect sunlight into that room, lighting that room up. You're probably not going to have any problem growing things in there. Get your beds close to those windows and, um, and, and just do everything you need to do. Again, those varieties might help you uh, grow. Uh, especially the bib lettuce and, and the uh, Simpson lettuce will probably do really well. I found that the uh, the the black seeded Simpson done really really well in the house, really well. It's a leaf lettuce, like I said, it's my least favorite of those three I mentioned, but it done really really well, grew really fast and did really good. So um, that's you know that's what you're looking at. It's not complicated, uh, it really isn't. Now as far as let's talk about the, the grow light, um, the one that I I. I'm recommending because I've heard it recommended so much because of its price and its durability. It's very low priced. 
And it's the Kingbow 45-watt LED grow light. I will put a link to it in, in the show notes. To be clear, I do not own this grow light, but it's the one I've heard other folks recommend as the best bang for the buck. So check it out, Kingbow 45-watt LED grow light. I'll put an Amazon link in the show notes for that. Also, a book I want to mention. It's by Elliot Coleman. It's called The Four Season Harvest, Organic Vegetables from Your Home Garden All Year Long. And he grows, he's uh, in a very cold climate growing year round. So check out his book. I also want to recommend a product that I actually recommended in, I do a recommended item of the week most weeks uh, on a blog post at the website. And this was uh, a five quart salad spinner that I recommended. So I'll have a link for that in the show notes also. Man, you want, if you're eating a lot of salad like I do year round, you want a you want a salad spinner. I, I used to not have one, and you're eating this soggy, wet lettuce all the time. You're washing it, and then you're, you know, you can't get it dry enough. You'll spread it out on a paper towel, and it's still moist. You put it in a salad spinner, give that thing a few cranks, and you got nice, dry, uh, tasty lettuce. And and I'm telling you, I love my salad spinner. My, actually, I didn't even buy it. My daughter got it for me for a Christmas gift one year, and I love this thing. I love it. So check out this salad spinner that I'm recommending in the show notes as well. So those are my recommendations for you. That's what I have to say about growing lettuce indoors or in a greenhouse year-round. The bigger challenge is the summer. It's really not that big of a deal to grow it in the winter if you have the right setup. And I, I didn't have any trouble growing it in my house, and I didn't have any trouble growing it in the greenhouse I prefer growing it in the greenhouse because I like being outside and, and, you know, I was getting out there. I don't like having to go down in my basement to pick lettuce. So, um, you know, that I just like going out in the greenhouse and setting out and, and having like a garden around me. It's just pretty pleasant. So, uh, but yeah, you set your stuff up. You ought to have a nice, um, you ought to have a nice setup there. Uh, it, some news article I want to talk about this week. I don't normally do this anymore, but uh, I thought this was great. It, it's actually a um, it's actually a podcast as well, but they have a, a blog post about it, and it's from uh, marketplace.org, and it was called "Homesteading in a Digital Age." And I'll have a link to it in the show notes. And this was a story from Oakland, California, about a lady named Stephanie Good who has no yard. Uh, she runs a small homestead on her roof. Um, and she says, while it's not a money-making operation, her farm provides about a tenth of her monthly groceries. Now, now, why did a topic like this end up on a show like Marketplace? And I think it's because they recognize that living this lifestyle has an effect on your own personal economy. And, and we find out on that show that this lady, who is an IT design freelancer, not only grows food on her rooftop, but also raises chickens there for eggs. Uh, she then takes many of the eggs and trades for other things. She needs like goat's milk. And and some points of interest uh, I think we can gather from this article and, and podcast is, is even folks in a high-tech industry living in a city, embracing a digital age, see the importance of growing some food. And I think we can all learn from that a little bit. And I also think something you really get from that is you don't need a bunch of land to grow some of your own food. This lady's doing it on a rooftop in the city, raising chickens and raising, growing a few things. That is awesome. You know, I mean, it's so awesome that something like marketplace.org picked up on it, um, who, who deal with, you know, economic issues. And, and also something I think we get a value from that is that bartering is a great way to supply other needs for your homestead. Just because you're not growing it or you're not raising it doesn't mean you can't get it for your homestead through barter. Take the things that you're, you are doing and barter them for what she's doing. She's doing it. She's getting goat's milk, uh, bartering for goat's milk on her property. Uh, from from eggs and i think that's awesome 
So, I, I, man, it's just it's something worth listening to. It's only like a three minute podcast or something like that. It's a real short article. Check it out if you want. But I love seeing things like that make it in in kind of the regular news, you know, in the things that aren't directly homestead related, because it opens up some eyes to the importance of this lifestyle. And it, it doesn't have to be your all in all, but it can be a small part of your life that provides you with some healthy food and some some what this podcast recognizes as some economic stability in your life as well by getting some of your needs met through something other than just paying for it, you know, uh, through growing it and bartering for it. So I thought it was interesting, you know, short, simple. And, but again, I, I, I thought it was a little bit fascinating just because it's something different. An IT design freelancer growing food on her roof, you know, and, and raising chickens on her roof. Pretty awesome, I think. So check that out. Uh, this week on the Homestead Life segment, the segment where I share uh, something that's better in my life because of homesteading. And on this episode, I'll talk about the discovery of new recipes. It's funny how when you grow a bunch of something that you think you really, really like to eat, like tomatoes, for example, you get tired of eating it or at least eating it in the same old way. So you find yourself talking to other gardeners and homesteaders or searching the internet, looking for other ways to prepare whatever it is you have grown or raised. And this leads to some pretty amazing discoveries of great recipes. And it's turned into one of the things I really enjoy about homesteading is that before homesteading, you know, we ate like the same 20 meals in rotation. I mean, we just had the same things over and over. Well, let's have this, you know, we'd sit down to a grocery list and we just buy the same old things and we'd make the same old things over and over and over and over. But as a homesteader, you know, you're growing a lot of the same things. So you look for all these new and unique recipes and I have discovered some great stuff, you know, over the last couple of years, especially as we've really started diving into trying some new things. And uh, it really just uh, just opens you up to a whole new world of, of better flavors and unique uh, cooking techniques and and uh, and just uh, just a whole new and better way of eating. And, uh, you know, that's something I've really, really enjoyed about homesteading. And it's made my life a whole lot better because of it. So uh, get out there and try some new recipes for whatever it is you're growing. Uh, search the Internet. Uh, ask other homesteaders. Jump in our Front Porch Facebook group and uh, ask other folks what they would do with that with that uh, product, like cucumbers or tomatoes, something that just the ordinary things, you know, and you'll find all kinds of great recipes out there that are worth trying. And many of them you're going to really, really enjoy. So uh, get out there and try something new and, and, and enjoy the discovery and the process as much as the as the taste so that's something i really enjoy uh, if you want to submit a question for the podcast and you know what folks i know i know you've been submitting a ton of questions and i haven't been getting to very many of them here lately we've been kind of slow i've been really busy and i'll be honest with you i wasn't feeling very well and and i uh my blood pressure started coming up and I started having some, some health issues actually, because I haven't been sleeping hardly at all. I've been sleeping like three or four hours a night and I've been getting up really early in the morning. I've been doing podcasts. I'm trying to find a new time to do podcasts because I need more sleep and, and I've been trying to kind of cut back on podcasts and blog posts and, and I, I don't want to do that, but I feel like my health is kind of deteriorating a little bit because of it. And, uh, so I've been slowing down on the podcast going out and the blog and the pot and the uh, blog post going out and my interaction in, in the groups and stuff. So I'm sorry about that, but you know, it's all about priorities folks. And, um, if I'm not healthy, you know, I'm not going to do anything. So, um, you know, be a little patient with me for a while. Uh, it's been a busy, busy time of the year and with all the preserving and, you know, getting things ready for winter time and just work schedules and things, I'm definitely doing a little less right now. 
And uh, I guess I just say all that to say this. You can still send in your questions. Um, you can send them in to ask at smalltownhomestead.com, or you can call or text in your questions to our voicemail at 765-203-1949. You can submit those questions as often as you like. Yes, I'm not getting to them as quick. That doesn't mean I won't get to them. They're in my email uh, or my text uh, service. I will get to them maybe later or maybe some, not at all. But if you have a great question, I, I w- would love to answer it. I just may not be able to answer them in a timely fashion, but you can go ahead and send them and it just may be weeks or months before they get answered. But if it's a great question that you'd like to hear on a future podcast, feel free to send it in. I, I know I may not get to it in a timely fashion, but you know, please send them in. I do have a bunch that I haven't gotten to yet. So there, there's some, you know, uh, on the list that are going to be coming out. So I just wanted to, you know, kind of apologize, kind of explain it, but I also still want to encourage you to submit your questions. Uh, this podcast is made possible by those who join our Homestead Forum membership community. So you can learn more about that at thehomesteadforum.com. The show notes for this episode can be found at smalltownhomestead.com forward slash 106. Thank you guys for listening and being patient with me. And I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And until next time, happy homesteading and God bless. Thanks for listening. To see the show notes for this podcast or listen to other podcast episodes, go to smalltownhomestead.com. There you can also read our blog, connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+, and take advantage of the many resources we make available to help you along in your homesteading journey. Please share this podcast and help us to carry out our mission of helping others to homestead today for a better tomorrow.